the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back and good morning, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt on the West Coast today. Joined now by Scott Lehigh, a columnist for the Boston Globe. Good morning, Scott. Welcome to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Hugh. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your coming on. I really do. I do appreciate it. You and I have not been on the air before. We have not met. We have never shook hands as far as I know. Am I right? I believe you're right about that. So one of the things I do, it's a little bit of a ritual for a first-time guest, is I have a couple of starting questions, but this is an interview, not a debate. I really want to know where Scott Lehigh is coming from and has come from. You've been a columnist for The Globe since 89, am I right? Uh, No, I have been at The Globe since 89. I've been a columnist uh, from uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. I was a political reporter for a long time, covered a bunch of campaigns and... uh, Basically, a political guy. Oh, you both, you and I come out of the same world. I, you know, I did center right for PBS for ten years before taking over an opinion job. But news guys, and so, uh, are you a native to Massachusetts? No, I'm not. No. Okay, was it Brady or was it Belichick? Uh, I'm a Brady guy. In fact, I, I kind of, I, my football loyalties gravitated down to, to Tampa Bay. When Tom went there, Brady has his, uh, his uh, uh, Howard Cosell once said a Wellington Meyer has a, or, or, or rather Belichick has the personality of wet cement. As far as I'm concerned, I don't I find him sort of surly. And, you know, why, why does anyone care about the coach? I like the I like the players. But now that Tom is gone, I got to I got to find another team. Well, the Browns are available. I, I'm here to tell you that you picked right on that one because Belichick is unloved in Cleveland where he ruined the Browns got them turned into the bang, into the Ravens, and then got fired. So you've got one thing going for you as we begin this interview. First question to get our GPS on you. Uh, I assume that you can say and that you will say that you voted for Joe Biden, for Hillary Clinton, for President Obama twice, for Secretary of State Kerry in 04, and for Al Gore in 00. Am I right? Uh, well, some of those elections I, I was covering as a reporter, and I and – I, uh, Sometimes when I was a, a reporter, I would say I am not going to, you know, I'm not going to vote on this because uh, it would make me think that as you're as you're covering it, you know, you're kind of you get a little tendentious if you're if you've decided who you're going to vote for. But yeah, as a pretty columnist, I mean, yes, did I did I vote for uh, Biden? Uh, yes, definitely. definitely. And, and and Hillary. Uh, and Hillary, um, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and Obama twice because yeah, you're yeah, a columnist, in right? 2012 and in 2016, yeah, definitely. Okay, and then John Kerry, you're a columnist, if I got it. You might not want to tell me about Al Gore, but you voted for Kerry in 04, right? You're a Boston guy. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, Carrie. Yes, over Bush. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, you know, uh, I love Boston people. They have the world view. Yeah. You know, how, how long have you lived in the city? Uh, in Boston. Um, oh God, I don't know. Uh, okay, when did I come to Boston? In uh, in, I'm, I'm in Maine right now, but I, I came to Boston in um, in the early '80s. You know. Okay, so I, I I left in 1978, and I've managed to stay out of there except for a reunion since then. Because Yastrzemski shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame and people in the Red Sox community get upset with me. Which part of Maine are you in right now? Uh, I am in uh, near Portland right now. You're, you're on the, the northern border. I like that. Have you read The Looming Tower? Near, near, near Portland, Maine. Um, okay. You know, it's uh, I used to live. I went to high school in Eastport, which is right on the, you know, very close, right across from Canada, right across from Campobello. Uh, and uh, but now this is southern Maine. Now. Oh, you're a Yankee. You really are a well, down east guy. You know, we wouldn't consider it. Uh, Mainers don't really consider themselves Yankees. It's funny. And if you live in the South, they consider everyone who lives in the North a Yankee. And if you live in the North, uh, you know, it, it sort of refers to a specific, uh, a specific kind of uh, a sort of uh, old-blooded, kind of blue-blooded uh, person. It, oh, I'm just it, thinking the people that I deal with when I visit my in-laws up in Maine, they're all just kind of flinty, no-nonsense people. Yeah, yeah. And so— Where do you, where, where do you go in Maine? They, go to, they live in Freeport. So uh, north of Portland, 40 minutes. And so I, I've been there often enough. Um, was uh, was Alger Hiss a communist? Was Alger Hiss a communist? Oh, God. You know, I, I, honestly, I don't even have an opinion on that. I, I, it, it's uh, you can come out of left field in that one. I, I, I've asked every guest who've ever come on whether or not Alger Hiss was a communist spy. Most of them know the answer. Do you not know the answer? Do you not want to say the answer? Uh, you know, I, I'm just uh, you. You just kind of caught me. You flummoxed me on that one. I'd have to go back and look at it. I got. I love I, the flummox Boston guys. <laughs> Flummoxing is what I do best. But it, Alger Hiss was a communist spy. You got to look that up. Now, just to GPS you, are you pro reproductive rights? Am I do I do I favor uh, uh, the right to choose abortion? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and um, do you own a gun? Uh, you know, I used to. I, I don't. I don't have a gun anymore. No, I, I used to have a, a rifle that my a couple that my my dad and my grandfather gave me, but I, I think they're over at a family place in upstate New York somewhere. Okay, and are you a churchgoer? What's that? Are you a churchgoer? No, no, no. Okay, so are you an atheist? Not, not a really. I'm not a religious person. Okay, so but are you an atheist or an agnostic? Uh, you know, probably kind of like a Herbert Spencer agnostic. You familiar with him? The no. Uh, well, I, I, I no. know is he the Herbert Spencer that government governs best, that governs least? That Herbert, the economist Herbert Spencer. Um, well, I'm thinking more though. I, I think this would be the philosopher. He was kind of the the uh, the considered the great exponent of agnosticism. I think in, in the, um, but I, that would that would be kind of where I am. Okay. Well, I'm I, I'm not. I'm uh, my my. Uh, my religious problems is everyone has a, you know, a, a, a uh, well, not everyone, but there are a whole bunch of different beliefs, and I'm not sure any of them should, uh, my beliefs should intrude into your life any more than that your beliefs should intrude into my life. 100%, but I just believe in the free exercise clause, and sometimes people of the left don't. But, but let's leave that. I got you GPS. Now to the, the subject at hand, the January 6th incident and yeah. committee. Um, you wrote a column last week in which I mentioned... And that's why you came to my attention. And I want to write what you wrote. Um, 
Former close Trump associate Chris Christie has already signaled his interest in running as an anti-Trump truth teller in the Republican primaries. Let's call this what it was. January 6th was a riot that was incited by Donald Trump in an effort to intimidate Mike Pence in the Congress and doing exactly what he said in his own word last week, overturn the election. You're right. Christie said on Sunday's ABC this week. Those are truths that aren't told inside the red bubble of Trump sycophants and apologists. Indeed, as conservative talk radio host Hugh Hewitt noted in his conversation with Christie, Hewitt never talks about January 6th because if he did, his listeners would tune him out. My first question, did you listen to or read the transcript of that interview? Uh, I listened to the clip. I didn't listen to the whole show. I listened to the clip. And by the clip, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, the, the, the sound with the, that was posted on that, that part of it, where that was, where that was said, it, you know, that, those, that, that little bit of the conversation. Okay, let me play for you a little bit, a three-minute clip, and then I want to come back to what you said and get your assessment of whether my perspective was accurately presented in your column. I, I don't think you know this, but let's go ahead and play it. Everybody in elite media, Manhattan Beltway media especially, focused on the censure of Liz Cheney, my friend, and Adam Kinzinger, and they missed entirely the real big deal, which is they adopted rules saying we're not working with the Presidential Debate Commission. I can pretty much guarantee you that that's an issue and that uh, Liz and Adam are not going to be an issue in the fall of 2022 and in 2024. Why doesn't legacy media cover the big deal and they only focus on the 9-11 Select Committee, which is actually illegitimate, in my view? Because because what they do, as you know, is they focus on the things that they think will help their cause. And their cause is the cause of the Democratic Party. And so they don't want to talk about the inherent problems with the Presidential Debate Commission and what that's going to lead to in 2024. Uh, they'd rather continue to talk about January 6th. Look, Hugh, I have strong feelings about that. I've said them publicly. I said it again today on your show. But enough already. You know, um, we, we saw it. It reminds me of the old Marx Brothers routine. You know, are you going to believe uh, me or your lion eyes? We all watched January 6th. We all know what happened. Uh, and, and I think that but, but for legacy media, um, what they want to do is continue to push that and push it and push it um, because they know that that's harmful to Republicans. And they can see that we're moving towards Republican majorities in the House and Senate uh, without something you know, cataclysmic happening. And that's what they're attempting to cause. And so that's why they do it. And you know it. And so do I. I do. And I I never talk about January 6th because I like my audience. I don't want them to turn me off. And they're bored. They do not like it. It is illegitimate. Nancy Pelosi quashed the minority. Uh, And yes, there are two Republicans on it. Liz Cheney has been a fine uh, spokesperson for national security for years. I don't know, Adam, but uh, they're, they're opposite their party on this. Obviously, I just am curious Do you think the blue bubble knows how absolutely uninterested America is in the January 6th select committee, which is actually a rump parliament gone wild? That's enough. Uh, So, Scott, I want to remind the audience what you wrote in the column. Let's call this what it is. January 6th was a riot incited by Donald Trump. You quote Chris Christie and then you say about me. Those are truths that aren't told inside the red bubble of Trump sycophants and apologists. Indeed, as conservative talk shows, Hugh Hewitt noted in his conversation with Christie, Hewitt never talks about January 6th because if he did, his listeners would tune him out. Now, having heard the full clip, is that a fair representation of what I was saying? Yeah, I think so. You were you were saying, look, if I 
my listeners don't want to hear about this. They wouldn't be listening to me if I talked about it. It seems to me it's, uh, it seems to me it's very fair. And it seems to me that Christie is, is uh, kind not, of... Not, not Christie. Stop for a second, Scott. Did you not hear me say there's a compound sentence? I say its listeners would tune them out, and they are bored. The, they do not think... I'm clearly talking about the committee, not January 6th. I'm clearly talking about the committee. Well, you're 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 talking about the investigation of January six. You say you don't you don't even want to talk about it. I, because... The committee. I do. I talk about January six like every day, and I tell everyone the election was over the day after the election, and that Mike Pence had no authority to dispense the ballot. Well, I, I'm like I give you, I give you credit on that, but, but I, 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 I don't need I, credit. I just I just don't think you're fair to hear. I I, well, I don't think I'm a sycophant. I don't think I'm in a blue bubble or a red bubble. I mean, can I can I say this to you though? If you want to be. I mean, you are in a position to tell some real truths, and I think sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. I, I was looking at something the other, you know, a, 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 an interview you did with Trump, you know, fairly recently. I think I doesn't the time I don't exactly when, but you kind of went on and said, look, uh, I, you know, I disagree about the stolen election, but I, I, I agree with you on so many other things. Some words to that effect. Well, you can't. I mean, this is a. This is a gentleman who is essentially trying to subvert the last election and, and the Constitution by so doing. And it's one, it, that's a huge thing to say, well, you know, hey, we, uh, we disagree on that, but we agree on a lot of other things. We, now, Ella, if you've listened to this show for anything, you know, the, I got a lot of Trump tattoos. And I've gone over this ground. It's like the burnt ground in upstate New York during the revival. I've gone over it with the former president three times, yeah. and there just isn't. There's no upside to writing the same column, is there? If you write the same column every week, are you writing a column? Well, there's an upside to continuing to tell to tell an important truth and not to not to gloss it over like it's a like a like it's a moment of, of inconsequential disagreement. And to well, say, well, again, you're have- you're laying a lot on that line that my audience uh, wouldn't think. And I'm just saying that a columnist who's trying to represent what happened in a conversation will come back after the break. Got to go up and down and out of the break and says that I was talking about January 6th when I was clearly talking about the January 6th Select Committee, and they're very different things. And that's what I want to find out if you agree. Uh, Let me give you 30 seconds before the break. Do you agree with me that January 6th and the January 6th Select Committee are different things? Uh, Well, I mean, obviously they are different. We're going to come back to you, Scott. Your phone is breaking up on us. Welcome back, America. Boston Globe columnist Scott Lehigh joins me, Hugh Hewitt, in the uh, conclusion. This will also be the interview podcast today. Later on the show, we're going to go after the show and continue. So, Scott, uh, you are a columnist. I am a columnist. I have a columnist up at The Washington Post today that takes shots at Mark Esper. All right. That's what we do. Right. We take shots. Um, I do feel obliged to fairly represent people. Do you think you fairly represented me in your column? You, yes, for the fourth time, I feel like I fairly represented you. Yes, I do think that's right. And I think that if you are saying I will not talk about the January 6th committee because I believe it's illegitimate, I think that's nonsensical. The January 6th committee is the lens through which we are learning more and more and more about January 6th. And if you're not talking about that, you're you're missing all kinds of developments on that front. And this committee is certainly every bit as legitimate as, say, uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, Benghazi commission was, which people... Okay, what's the difference between those two select committees? Yeah, you talk about stuff. You, 
you're just reverting to the same question over and over no. and over so, again. So what, what is the difference between um, the 1-6 so committee it, and... Uh, it, so I think if you are not talking with your viewers about that, you are really doing a disservice to very important news for for this for for this country. Well, we disagree. Now, my question, Scott, is what's how the can difference? You can, can you hear me? How, can you hear me? How how can you disagree with that? Uh, uh, Scott, it's an interview. It's not a debate. I want to get your point of view out there. It's an interview. Right. No, it is. This is a hugely important. I'm not debating you. I'm asking you questions so my audience will understand what a left wing columns the Boston Globe well, thinks about a committee. That you disagree. I, so you back to something else, and you don't let me finish. I, I no. I, this is important. What's the difference between the January 6th Select Committee and Benghazi, which you brought up? What is the difference between those two committees? You know, I mean, one was I. I you know, you have a difference. Why don't you tell me the difference you want to? I know, I'm asking you. What do you see a difference between them? You're the guest. I'm the interviewer. Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of go around a little bit. I went, well, anyway, do I, I? I do not see a difference between them in in terms of of coverage. The need to cover them and the the need for people to cooperate with them. No, I don't. Uh, do you see any difference in their origin and their setup? Well, they're both House Select Committees. I mean, everything's a little bit different the way they. But the point is to get back to the point. If you are not talking about the news that's coming out of the January sixth committee, and you are treating it as illegitimate and saying I'm not going to discuss this, then you are you are operating inside the context of the red bubble, and you're not doing. Oh, actually, I'm not. Most of most of my time is spent talking with a member of the select committee who critiques my approach to it. But I want you to, to I'm trying to tease out from you whether or not you are concerned about due process in the United States, because the left used to be concerned. The difference between the Benghazi committee and the January 6th committee is that the Benghazi committee impaneled by the Republican majority allowed for the rights of the minority to name their own chair, their own counsel, and have equal subpoena power. That is not the case with the select committee. Do you think that's the distinction with the difference? Well, I think you're looking, I mean, you can find little differences in everything, but if you're saying, oh, my Lord, Jim Jordan didn't get to be on the committee, I mean, he's someone who might have a, uh, I mean, obviously, one, he would not be interested in, in, the, in the role of the committee. Uh, secondly, he has some, perhaps has some involvement here that needs to be investigated. There are obvious conflicts here. So, no, I, I think those honestly are, those are little, uh, those are little things that you're taking refuge in that don't, I think, uh, in, in any way negate the larger point. Have you ever point. been sued? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into personal questions about what. Well, because I was going to ask you about how the representation went, because the fact of the matter is when there are two sides, the American legal system and the common law have for hundreds of years guaranteed the rights of both sides to the here, same. You're, you're looking for ways to justify ignoring a, an important and legitimate news news investigatory organ here. And I, and I, I just think it's uh I think it, it just doesn't scan. Well, I think you you're scared of this, uh, Scott, because I'm explaining why it's an illegitimate committee, why well, I don't cover it. You are trying to justify why you believe. No, I'm true. explaining why I don't cover it. You, you think that's syncophanic. I'm pointing out that every House committee in history has any other House committee in history run this way. I think that's journalistically irresponsible not to not to cover it. Yeah, I do. I, I, I've heard you say that. I heard you say it, but I'm trying to get to I'm trying to persuade you you are wrong because well, it no, is I'm illegitimate. Not. 
because it's never been done this way before. It's a one-off. It's a one-off? A one-off. It's nothing has ever run this way before in the House. I, I, I mean, I think if you look at it, you can find the American people are very interested in it. I think you, you'll find that they are, that, that lots of news is coming out of it. I think you'll find that lots of people are cooperating with it. And I think to try to delegitimate it on uh, what I consider, frankly, somewhat silly grounds. Uh, it, you haven't taught constitutional law for 25 years. I have. The due process clause is not silly. I'm going to come back with Scott Lehigh on this subject, and we'll take our time. We don't have to rush. I want him to get his point of view out. He thinks it's wrong for me not to cover the January 6th committee. He stands by his column. That's fine. We want to get to the January 6th committee. Stay with us. It's on the interview with Hugh Hewitt. All right, back with Scott Lehigh of the Boston Globe. Scott, do you know who's on the committee? Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to do quizzes with you, Hugh. I'm going to do not a uh, you know, not a quiz. It's just, do you know? Well, we'll here and talk about the issues if you want. But I'm not going to. I can sit here and ask you a whole bunch of little questions if you want. You can ask me, and then we can sit back and say, "Well, that guy's a nitwit. That guy's a nitwit. He didn't know that. Uh, he didn't know that." Do you know uh, any members of the committee? I don't think. Of course, I do. Come on, I don't who, think that's productive. I don't think that's a productive exercise. I, I want to know how deep you're into it. That's what I'm trying to get at. Are you an expert on the committee? Well, do you know who's on know, it? I mean, I, I would guess I would have to say this, since I, I write about it and talk about it. I think I'm a lot more, a lot more deeply into it than you. If, if you're saying you, you don't, then I, I know the members of the committee. I know what them all. Are, do you? What? What do your readers? Did you ever listen? You ever it's an interview, list? not a debate, Scott. I'm just trying to get to are the you, bottom line of whether or not you know anything about this committee. It's a debate when you when you want it to be a debate, and then when you don't want to answer answer a question, it becomes an interview. No, because you know, you're not answering my question. You're filibustering. You know, I had a every time I've had a, a liberal columnist on, this happens, which yeah. is an interview is not a debate. An interview is about you. You're the guest. I just want to know if you know who's on the committee. It's not a trick. I, I'm sorry, I missed that. What did you say? I said, I, I just want to know if you know who's on the committee. It's not a trick. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, can I, can I sit here and go through every member, name every member without looking it up? No, but yes. I mean, I follow the committee pretty closely. Watch. Can you name any of the members? Of course I can. Oh, come on. I'm not well, even go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you, 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 you know your two Republicans on the committee. Do you know the two Republicans on the committee? I know, don't know Adam personally. I know Liz very well. Very, very okay. well. And have known her for 15 years. You know, okay. So you know, you know that there are two Republicans on the committee, right? There, there are not actually two Republicans on the committee. There are two Republicans appointed by Nancy Pelosi to the committee. The Republicans were not allowed to not- appoint anyone to the committee. See, that's, that's the other problem here is that you guys have to now pretend because, because they are saying things that you find uncongenial, you have to pretend that they somehow are not Republicans. No, I don't. They're Republicans. They're not Republicans appointed to the committee by the Republicans. You don't get to the key thing. And I I think it's because you're not a lawyer. This is all fruit of the poison tree because Nancy Pelosi rigged this. And I mean, rigged it. Unlike any other committee that has ever existed in the House, I don't cover it because it's illegitimate. Do you remember what happened here? There was there was an agreement that we were going to have a bipartisan... There was no agreement. You're wrong, well, Scott. That's simply... No, was, that's wrong. No, that, 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 that's not right. That, that, that had been worked out as an, an agreement, and, and then Kevin McCarthy decided he did not want to do it, and he undermined his own, 
his own chairman on this or his own his own ranking member on this. So, I I mean, he did he, he obviously did not want to have any kind of panel. No, you're you're, you're actually misremembering. The Senate killed the select committee bill. The Senate you're killed it, Scott. Saying that Kevin McCarthy didn't torpedo. No, I'm saying the Senate killed it. It passed the House. It went to the Senate. The Senate killed it. Oh, no, no, no. Kevin McCarthy said, no, I'm not in favor of this. That's a, they, they had an it agreement. passed the House. It went to the Senate. The Senate killed it. Those are facts. I can Google that, but I think that's I just don't think that's right. Scott, if you're wrong about that, what does that tell us about your coverage of this topic? Hang on. I'm just going to Google this for you. Google it. You can find, by the way, Zoe Lofgren, Elaine Luria, Adam Schiff, Pete Aguiar, Stephanie Murray, Jamie Raskin are under the chairmanship of Benny Thompson. That's the committee. And while you Google, let me explain that the House committee that exists is illegitimate because for the first time in House history, the minority did not name its members. Right. There you're just hiding in process. You're just, because Hiding in process is what the American Constitution is all about, Scott. You're our Boston Globe reporter. Go down the freedom trail. Due process is everything. The, it's, it, it's incontrovertible. The Republicans did not want to look at this. That, so that, no, it's not. It, it, it's incontrovertible that Kevin McCarthy named Jim Banks as the ranking minority. Yeah. And he and Jim, was vetoed by Nancy Pelosi, as never has happened in the history of the House. Is there any significance to that first time departure from House tradition? Any significance at all, Scott? Any significance in terms of saying we should not then have a we should not have a committee? And not no, look at I'm saying is there any significance to Nancy Pelosi jerry rigging a kangaroo court? It is not a kangaroo court. That, that, that's that's just silly to call it that. It's do you know why it is? A, how many subpoenas? Do you know how many subpoenas it's issued? What's that? Do you know how many subpoenas the January sixth committee has issued as of yesterday? You know you're 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 trying in a very don't, don't it try, it's just a it's just a question. You might not know. It's okay. It's okay if you don't know. We're not no. I, we're not testing. We're not, we're not testing one another's knowledge of the intricacies of the committee here. We're debating. Oh, actually, I am. I am testing your knowledge of this committee because if you don't understand why it's illegitimate, you can't defend it. Major investigatory and newsmaking body here. It, it, I mean, I understand that you are desperate to find ways that you can justify not looking at this and not presenting this to your listeners. But that that, you know, and, and anyone can always dig into something and say, well, here's a reason I don't think it. Here's a reason. This is a reason it's not legitimate. But the fact of the matter is this is a major investigatory committee telling us very valuable information uh, about about a hugely traumatic thing that, that happened to the body politics. Now, I understand why you believe that, Scott. I really do. I do. You're a lefty up in Boston, and everyone talks to each other. Do you understand why I think it's a circus and a joke? I mean, do you just understand it? I understand, I understand that you are desperate to put forth reasons that will let you justify your position of not paying any attention to it because you find what it's what it, what it is saying, uncongenial. But do I think it makes any sense? Absolutely not. Okay. No. Uh, so you don't you don't go with due process. You don't think the minority has uh, any uh, rights uh, in a uh, committee. Uh, 
You don't think the minority should be represented as ably and with equal opportunity to question witnesses as the majority? Only the prosecution. Only the prosecution gets to bring witnesses. Only the prosecution gets to name the jury. To, 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 uh, to, to make that kind of sweeping statement, because I don't agree because I don't agree with your idea to say I don't agree with due process. It's just silly. Well, you That's obviously just, don't. You're, you're, you are holding up a committee that is rigged. Hugh, you obviously don't believe in the Constitution if you don't believe. Well, I, if that's just a dumb way to talk. That's like poisoning the well. Come on. No, it's not. It's because it's essential to due process to have the right to confront your accuser. Right. Let's have a little more intelligent debate than that. The, now, but, I, I, will, uh, we, I, I will say that here's, here I think is part of the problem. That you guys put yourself, you put yourself in a position where if, if you're – if you're not going to, if your position is going to be, none of this is relevant because I don't like the body that's looking at it, you then have to ignore a huge amount of news that's coming out as a result of that. No, actually, you don't. No, you don't. It's like saying, was O.J. Simpson guilty? I think O.J. Simpson was guilty, and I think it was screwed up, and I can, I can find news everywhere. I do not cover this committee because it's an illegitimate committee. And what you don't hear me saying, well, what you don't hear half of America I, saying, is that— I think you've made a huge, a huge and silly uh, mistake there. Yeah, you've used silly I mean, a number of times, but I, 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 do you know anything just, about just the precedence of the House? We're just chasing our tails on this. No, we're not. not You're you're not answering questions which impeach the committee. What? You are refusing to answer simple questions, the admissions of which would impeach the committee's integrity. And so you are filibustering. In your mind, it would impeach the committee's integrity. But as I say, you are trying to find a justification for ignoring the news. And that's fine. Within the context, I mean, you're, you do what you want. You're an opinion guy, but but I don't think it does a particular service to to your listeners or you know your readers. And and I think this is a debate this country I, needs to have. I, I, I want to go back to the committee because again, Scott, I'm just trying to educate you here as to why. Well, when I, my, you know, I, I that's that's rather patronizing. And it I, is very patronizing. I, I, I don't think you have a clue about this committee. I don't think you know anything about the House of Representatives, and I don't think you know due process, and I don't think you understand com law. And if you've ever been sued, you would understand this. I mean, if you went to the first, you know, Sarah Palin's, let's go to Common Ground. I'll bet you we can agree on this. Sarah Palin's lawsuit was dismissed yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah. I'm glad it was no, dismissed. You're kidding. Sarah Palin's lawsuit was dismissed? Wow. Huh. Gotta, yeah. I, yeah, I know. Do you know yeah. why? Do you know why it yes. was dismissed? Why? Yes, because it didn't meet the it didn't meet times v. Sullivan. It didn't meet the That's standard. That's right. There, there's there's no actual malice there. Yes. And so there's no actual malice or reckless disregard for the facts. And so it's been dismissed. Yes. It's going to go yes. up to the Second Circuit. She's going to appeal the New York Times v. Sullivan yes. standard, 1964 standard. I don't expect Scott Lehigh to know that. I've taught this case for 25 years. Sarah Palin is wrong. And I agree with the the district court's dismissal. It will go up to the Second Circuit, and the Second Circuit cannot sit on bonk. And I'm explaining this for you, Scott, and for the audience. So they will pick a panel of the Second Circuit. I think they use the same rules as the Ninth Circuit. Nine judges. So if they pick those nine judges to hear the appeal of Sarah Palin, and the chief judge boots off any Trump appointees and replaces them with Obama and Biden appointees, is that due process? Uh, you know, this thing is going to be decided eventually by the Supreme Court, anyway. So I, I don't think it. I don't think that really 
I, I think that's a false analog. You know, I know where you're trying to go with it, but I, I yeah, yeah, where I'm going is to destroy your argument because obviously that's not oh, due process. <laughs> you, you are using, so you don't want to go down that road. You're using process arguments as a shield to avoid. I'm using the Constitution. I can't say things on this air. I'm using the Constitution. Do you not care about the Constitution, Scott? Well, I mean, how can you then talk to someone who tried to subvert the Constitution and say, well, we disagree on the election, but we have a lot in common on a lot of other things? Because I had to talk to him about the Supreme Court, and I I, had to talk to him about other things, and I know you're obsessed. The left is obsessed with the the January 6th committee, but I'm not, and I don't care because it's illegitimate. The Constitution's a little episodic. I I mean, I think if if you can't... If you can't bring up, if you can't uh, sort of beard the lion on the biggest constitutional affront we've seen in in, in decades, and I, I would say that you're you're you're. Do, um, do, do you remember McCarthyism? Do you remember Joe Welch? Do you remember Have it, You No Decency? Do you know why that all happened to Joe McCarthy? Is because he abused the investigatory process of the United States Congress, and there there was a minority are you, council. Are you? Are you seriously comparing this committee to McCarthyism? I am. I am comparing process. McCarthy was discredited because it was a legitimate process. He was wrong. He was a, a red baiter. But the reason he could be exposed is because there were Democrats who could protect the witnesses. The witnesses could speak up for themselves, and they were not interviewed in secret. McCarthyism fell apart because of the Constitution's focus. The January 6th committee is deeply illegitimate, and no one should pay attention to it because you are buying in to the original sin of of suppressing the minority's rights. I, I think that's just horribly stupid. Sorry. I well, I, I, I hear you. I understand that. But I want my audience yeah. to understand that blue bubble columnists, blue bubble columnists do not care what we think about the constitutional rights of the accused. You don't. You don't care about these 86 people. Did you know 86 people have been subpoenaed by this committee? That's not that's not right at all. And I, I find Wait, 86. I've got the list. 86 people have been subpoenaed by this committee. Yeah. So in. in- so is that right that they not have a Republican appointed minority view with a council to ask questions? Is that right? They've got a grand total of nine prosecutors and no defense counsel. Is that fair? I think that I, I you know, I think this I, I don't have a problem with the structure of the committee. I thought if Republicans had not wanted if they had gone forward in a good faith effort to have this panel, uh, then I, I, I think that their, their concerns there would be met. And I, I don't think you can say, no, sorry, I'm just going to hold my breath and, until I turn blue, take that, my ball. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is it cannot possibly produce the truth. It can't produce the truth. The whole due process thing is about producing truth. In your mind, is anything you think to, to the degree you paid any attention at all, do you think that anything that this committee has had has any any of the things we've learned from it has been worthwhile or i pay very close attention to it no and i tell members of the committee that and in fact what do you think we've learned from it oh i think we've learned a hell of a lot tell me i think you have the floor well we 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 now i we now we've we've learned about the proud boys right we we have what what have we learned about the proud boys 
Well, I mean, I, it, it, we we have we now have it. We have indictments. Wait, wait. What have we learned about the Proud Boys? You made the statement. We've learned about the Proud Boys. What have we learned about the Proud Boys? It's not a Proud Boy defender, are you? Of course not. But what do you, what did you made the statement? We have learned about the Proud Boys because of the January well, 6th we, committee. What did we learn because of the January 6th committee about the Proud Boys? Well, there I'm speaking more of the, the, the indictment for sedition. Yeah, so am I. I cover that because that's actually due process, and they all should go to jail for as long as the book will allow them if they're convicted of seditious conspiracy. 75 people have been charged. How many people went into it? No, actually, that number's wrong. I get my right number. Uh, 725 oh, yeah. people went into the Capitol. 725 yeah. people have been charged. I believe 75 of them have been charged with a violent offense. I follow that very closely because that's due process driven. I trust the Department of Justice. I'm a veteran of the DOJ and the FBI. But they have not had a witness in front of the committee from the Proud Boys. So you haven't learned anything about the Proud Boys from the committee? No, I said I, I meant the indictment here. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I'm all into uh, the indictment. Right, That's yeah. why your column was unfair. I cover January sixth uh, relentlessly. Uh, I don't cover this illegitimate uh, rump parliament. Yeah, all I said in the column was what you yourself have. No, said. you cut it off. You you made it sound like I don't talk about January sixth when it was clear uh, in the context. Know, I don't talk I'm about saying, the January sixth committee. I mean, obviously, I hurt your feelings. And I, and I'm, no, you didn't hurt my feelings. You lied to your readers. Oh, you've been you've been kvetching about it the whole time we've been on the air. I am kvetching. You lied to your readers. Does it bother you? I correct I my lie. columns when I get I things wrong. Exactly what you said. No, you didn't. You cut off the sentence. At, I mean, you oh. cut it off in mid sentence. Play it again for the audience. Play it again for the people. Just stand by. Listen to this, Scott. Let's play it. Okay. Manhattan Beltway media, especially focused on the. Go ahead, play it, guys. And they missed entirely the real big deal, which is they adopted rules saying we're not working with the Presidential Debate Commission. I can pretty much guarantee you that that's an issue and that uh, Liz and Adam are not going to be an issue in the fall of 2022 and in 2024. Why doesn't legacy media cover the big deal and they only focus on the 9-11 Select Committee, which is actually illegitimate, in my view. Because they'll they, because what they do, as you know, is they focus on the things that they think will help their cause, and their cause is the cause of the Democratic Party. And so they don't want to talk about the inherent problems with the Presidential Debate Commission and what that's going to lead to in 2024. Uh, they'd rather continue to talk about January 6th. Look, Hugh, I have strong feelings about that. I've said them publicly. I said it again today on your show, but enough already. You know, um, we, we saw it. It reminds me of the old Marx Brothers routine. You know, are you going to believe uh, me or your lion eyes? We all watched January 6th. We all know what happened. Uh, and, and I think that, but, but for legacy media, um, what they want to do is continue to push that and push it and push it um, because they know that that's harmful to Republicans and they can see that we're moving towards Republican majorities in the House and Senate uh, without something, you know, cataclysmic happening. And that's what they're attempting to cause. And so that's why they do it. And you know it. And so do I. I do. And I, I never talk about January 6th because I like my audience. I don't want them to turn me off. And they're bored. They do not like it. It is illegitimate. Nancy Pelosi quashed the minority. Uh, and yes, there are two Republicans on it. Liz Cheney's been a fine uh, spokesperson for national security for years. I don't know, Adam, but... 
they're, they're opposite their party on this, obviously. I just am curious, do you think the blue bubble knows how absolutely uninterested America is in the January 6th Select Committee, which is All actually right. a run? So, Scott Lehigh, my proposition about your column, and then we'll come back to the larger issue, is that you did not listen to that, or you would not, you're a good columnist, you've gone a long time, or you would not have written what you did because it does not fairly represent what I said. I spoke about the 9-11 Committee erroneously, uh, meeting the January 6th Committee before Chris talked. Afterwards, I said, I don't talk about January 6th because my audience would be bored. There are dozens of reasons why this illegitimate committee should not be listened to. I'm clearly talking about the committee. You made it sound like I was talking about January 6th, and you followed it up with, if the rest of the nation, implying like Hewitt, um, were as authoritarian, cultish, conspiratorial, and willingly gullible as the Trump base, the condition of democracy wouldn't just be dire, it would be terminal. I think we're pretty bad in this country because we do not fairly represent the point of view of the other side. And I think you're guilty, guilty, guilty of that. Uh, You know, when I said authoritarian, I I was not talking about you there. I was talking about the Trump base. But I do think that's a big problem in America. We we have this uh, authoritarian inclination in a a certain part of the population and, and a kind of a a hunger for a strong man and we're seeing it not not just here but we're we're seeing it you know kind of a we're seeing it in half a dozen countries around the world that i think is i think is pernicious i think it's it, it is a real problem i think that uh people in some way are are retreating from the the messiness of democracy and and wanting certainty uh and caring, I think, um, way too little about about. Yeah, I, I think after we're done, Scott. I want to make a couple. Of, oh, go ahead. A couple of go ahead. Very indulgent with you going back and forth on on your you know litigating your hurt feelings over. over I'm not litigating my hurt feelings. Don't be dismissive right. of the fact that we disagree about a significant issue. Stop for a second, Scott. I do not diminish. Your credibility or your ability, and I do not make light of your well, arguments. You spent the whole, you've spent our I whole am time. not mad about what you wrote. I am mad that you're in the blue bubble and you do not concern yourself with listening, which I try to do. Right. You, you, you have the whole time we've been on the air. You've been you've been trying to diminish my credibility. Come on. Uh, but I want to say this about about Christie. Well, we've got a second. Now, Christie's pandering a little bit when he comes on and says that to you. It acts as though you guys sit there and act like the big story is is a Republican withdrawal from the Republican debate or the, the presidential debate commission, and that is somehow more important than the January sixth, and that should be the big story. And here's what here's what Christie said. Uh, I think that you know within the, just a couple of days of that interview with you, when he's kind of downplaying the whole thing and the the January 6th uh, um, committee when he's talking with you, he goes on ABC and he says, let's call this what it was. January 6th was a riot that was incited by Donald Trump in an effort to intimidate Mike Pence and the Congress into doing exactly what he said in his own words last week, overturn the election. Then Christie comes on with you and he's all kind of mealy mouth. He is not. I mean, that's that's just not fair to Chris. He was on 24 hours earlier on ABC this week. I played that tape in the course of my conversation, a 30 minute interview with Chris Christie in which we touched on about 15 different things. He reaffirmed exactly what he said with George. I don't think you listened to the interview with Chris. I think you read the Daily Beast or other Mimi or random or other lefty clip and snip uh, media matters propagandists and you took your point of view of that 
uh, interview, which is very good, very substantive. It's posted. I always put up the transcripts. And well, pre- you just ran with it because you were just going to toss in another uh, the Trump base is authoritarian and cultish as opposed to principled when it comes to the January 6th committee, which is illeg- illegitimate. Do you, not, do, you not, do you not find the, the, the Trump base somewhat authoritarian? And- no, I don't. I think the Trump base is like the Democratic base. It's like a bell curve. There are people on the far fringe of both of them, and I don't worry about them. I'm in the middle. I think Mike Pence was right. He couldn't accept those votes. People have heard me call the election over from the day after the election. Anyone who listens to the show, Scott, who knows my work, and you obviously don't, and I don't blame you. People, my wife doesn't listen to my radio show. She doesn't. Well, I, you know, I read your I read your column in the Post. I, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a regular listener to your to your radio show. But I will say this: think about this. Though, think about it. you're an old Reagan Republican. I am. I was in the Reagan White House. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So think about the 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 way that just the personal beliefs uh, or the, or the political beliefs of Donald Trump have have restructured what had been. I mean, the, Ronald Reagan was a free trader and he believed in markets. Uh, all of a sudden, the Republican Party, which had been basically free trade and believed in markets, really doesn't much. That's simply anymore. not true. That's simply right? not true. Look at the look at the platform of the Republican Party. We believe in retaliatory tariffs against China when China yeah. is acting with espionage intent towards the United States and is a predator. That's that's part of the national security peace through strength policy of Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush and Donald Trump. But you would say you would say No, tell me what you think and I'll tell you or ask me a question. Don't tell me what I'll say. Ask me a question, I'll tell you. Okay, so so the Republican Party under Trump has gone from a free trade uh, party to a protectionist. That's simply not true. I just told you that's not true. Rob Portman and I are exactly alike. We represent 90% of the party when there is illegal dumping going on. And when China is using predatory policies, you use tariffs in response. Good Lord, it's not just that. I mean, it's, I know, and he made a mistake on aluminum, and I banged him on that because it was crazy to hit Canada in aluminum, as did most of the party. Aluminum on newsprint. I mean, it, it, it's not. It's not like he's. It's not like he's just going after China. I mean, he has not after- taken the Republican Party to an anti-free trade position. That was your argument. Uh, he hasn't done that. I think, I think you would find that. that I mean, it, it, the guy who. If, if your nominee is a and your your former president is a protectionist and he he's, he's not a protectionist he's anti-China he and he's telling America to reshore its productive capability as we are doing in Ohio with Intel and in Arizona with Intel because we can't be dependent on Taiwan because China can take it at any time that's a national security Republican. You're trying to put a shine on the secret. Shine on it, you know, Again, Scott, you can believe whatever you want. Don't tell me what I believe because my audience knows what I believe. They've heard I'm me say it for thirty years. You're wrong to say that Donald Trump hasn't made the Republican Party a protectionist party. He, he is. Has. He is not this, because who do you understand the Republican Party to be? Move on to another argument. The Republican Party used to believe in oh, markets and the go. ability of, of, of companies to do what they want. I'm you had Donald that. Trump threatening this this company that you do that, yeah. I'm going to tax your, you know, I'm going to tax yeah. out of existence. Yeah. That's yeah. not a you're just not you're so far away from why we came on. I want to go back to it. Whether or not you have a duty as a columnist to represent the other side fairly. Do you? We've 
we're chasing our tails on that one at this point. No, I did, no now I'm talking about being a writer, being an opinion journalist. Do you have a job to do that involves educating your readers on what the other right. side really believes? Excuse me, I'm sorry, I missed that. Do you as a columnist have the responsibility to educate your readers as to what the other side really believes? Do I have a job? Well, I, I you know... Do I do I need to lay out in every column? Um, that's not that, what I asked. Okay, this, this is. I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, you you you. you do, I mean, I, I do. In other words, I would say when I write a column about something that I believe in, do I have a responsibility to say? Uh, meanwhile, here's here's a voluminous argument that the other side has on this. I mean, I don't think I don't think we that, that's done all that frequently. I sometimes give a nod to it, say that the other side would say that 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 that. I don't believe that for this reason. But and, and by the way, um, and I think that's sufficient when you do that. The other side believes dot 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 dot. Do you yeah. are you obliged to be fair about what they believe? Am I obliged to be fair? Oh, when sure, you say yeah. here's what you, yeah. you have to say I mean, that I, right. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's always it's always kind of a judgment about about what. But I'm you didn't about. do that in this column about me. My feelings aren't hurt. I want the audience to know that Scott Lehigh is not trustworthy when he reports on Republicans. Not because he doesn't want to be. I think you do want to be. I think you wrote a column based on Daily Beast and Mimi Random excerpts, and it's simply not true. We're, you know, this is about our tenth time now addressing. Yeah, this. I think. No, columnists are never called on the carpet for just being wrong and misdoorting things. What? Columnists are never called on the carpet for simply stating things wrong and distorting things. And you, you're not giving up any ground here. I thought you'd say, oh, I honestly thought I thought, Scott, you would say, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. You're right. You were talking about the January 6th committee. I should have made that clear. Did the column quote exactly what you said? No, it doesn't. No, it's, it's simply, look, we'll leave that up to the audience. It's a completely misleading quote. I want to go back to this committee. You remember no, Watergate? I, Are you old enough to remember the Watergate committee? Hey, no, look, when I came out, I had a couple other points I wanted to make here, just because I... Okay, go, about, take, your, take the floor. Make your points. Doesn't hear, so I, want to make, I want to make one other point about, about um, modern republicanism and modern conservatism and, the, and what I believe are the things that if you if you start to stipulate to um, and this is kind of what I thought maybe you wanted to talk about a little bit but but if you if you start to and you don't do this I'll give you credit for this but if you if the Republican Party is going to embrace Donald Trump as a, as a future nominee and, and make its future about the embrace of the the big lie that this is a stolen election, which I say I realize you don't believe, but then you have to the, the party puts itself, and, I, and I'm someone who believes it's very important that, that that we have two strong oppositional parties in America. But then the Republican Party puts itself at having to believe that any number of other uh, well-intentioned people were were in on this supposed big steal that, you know, Brian Kemp somehow is part of it, that Brad Raffsenberger, who's an honorable guy and somehow let let this go. You, then you have to believe that out in Arizona that Doug Ducey, you know, let it, you, they have to, you have to discount all the things that disprove this. You have to believe that even the silly cyber ninjas thing, I mean, how do they, how you, you just have to discount all kinds of, of good people and evidence to embrace this. And I just think it's, it's a, 
a huge mistake for the Republican Party to go down this road. Now, I have the idea that you probably, honestly, if you were if you were forthright about it, think that's right, too, that it would if be. If you a were forthright about it. And what What's is that? the implication in that if you were forthright about it? Because I, I've seen you hint. I, I read a I read a column where you. Uh, you were writing about Lawrence. Ask Wilson. me a question. I answer any question. I'm, I'm, I, I don't hide anything. Well, I, well, let, let's ask for, right out then. Do you think it would be good for the Republican Party to renominate Trump? I, I, I can't take a position on that because I'm going to do the debates. And so I go to Switzerland and I do not pick sides. Why, why, why can't you take a position on it? Because I'm going to moderate the debates for the Republicans. Oh, and if I there, endorse there, there, one way or the other, I did the same thing in 2016. I did four presidential debates. You may not be aware of that, but all through the debate season, all through that year, I never took a position on anyone because a moderator can't. Would you agree with me? If you're going to moderate a debate, you can't take a position? Uh, on, on whether you think the person should be the nominee or not? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, come on, Scott. How are you going to sit there if I said, I think Mike Pompeo is a good friend of mine. I think Mike Pompeo should be the president. And I'm, I'm going to screw the rest of you. Now, that's the way Democrats run debates. I understand it. But that's not fair. You have a fundamental fairness problem. You really don't get it. Okay, but, but what you're doing there, what you're doing there, though, is, I mean, you could say, look, I'm not going to moderate the, the debates. It's a little more important for me to express my opinion for the, the party. I'm the best debate moderator the Republicans have offered up in 40 years of this circus. And I wow. gigged him. I gigged Trump. Uh, he's so mad at me for that nuclear triad question. It still comes up every time I talk to him. And so nobody gigged Trump like I gigged Trump. So I, I'm not concerned with your approval. I'm good at well, it. I, you aren't, but but I got to say in that in that other, you know, the, with the, the whole thing about, well, Mr. President, you know, we disagree about the election, but we agree about so many other things. I mean, that you got to admit that's pretty, that's pretty lame. No, I don't, because in fact, I've talked to him twenty six times on the air. I have made my disagreements with him repeatedly well, known. Mean, the audience maybe. needs to know, know new things, Scott. The audience knows what I think. They know what he thinks. They know I think he's wrong about those things, and they right. want to know about the new things. The new thing. Now, here my turn. I want I, you to stop me when you come up with a name that you recognize. Just stop me. All right. Rationalize things, honestly. I, I hear you. You, you have contempt I, for the I, right. A, I get it. I understand this because it's been kind of fun, but uh, I, I have to. I have to file a column in like an hour and a half. Okay, so, I need. So. I need ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. No, no, no. Stop God, me I, when I, you get to a name you know. Amy Kremer, Kylie Kremer, really Cynthia Chafian, Carolyn Wren, Maggie I, Mulvaney, I, Justin Caparotti, Tim Unes. Hannah Salem, Lyndon Brentall, Katrina Pearson. Know that one? I would be glad to come on and get up with you another time, but I really do have to go because I've got to, you know, in my business, you know, this is my third thing I I will have written this week, but I've I've got a a very early deadline. Oh, my God. Scott, I write three columns a week and do 15 hours of radio and do special report. Are you telling me you're overworked? Well, you're a virtual you're a virtual superhuman as we just No, I just do my job for eight hours a day and I talk to people when it might make a difference as opposed well, you, to I, shout I, I, at I, them in print. For an hour and, and you've you've been able to litigate all your grievances and make, make clear how, how brutal Little you know about the January sixth committee. Being called, we called part of the, uh, the the red bubble. So uh, I'll, I'll leave you here. But it's been fun. If you want to have me back on, I'll be glad to come back on. I have one suggestion. I want you to go down the street to Boston to the Kennedy Institute 
of politics at Harvard, which is run by my roommate, my closest friend in the world, and he's a liberal Democrat. He makes an effort, worked for Clinton, deputy chief of staff, Peace Corps director. He makes an effort to call people before he writes or talks about them to find out what they think. You should have done that. You should have listened to the interview. You'll be fine. You You should have listened to the interview or called me. Completely fair representation of what you said. Again, Uh, the audience will decide that, but I I want you to give give you the last word. You don't know anything about the committee. You don't know about its departure from precedent. You haven't learned anything from it because the Proud Boys came from the indictment. Why is it legitimate? I, I, we're, we're just going back over the same territory here. It's, it's uh, you, know, you get to the point where you're just pounding your shoe on the table. But nice to talk to you, old boy, and let's do it again. Bye-bye. Hang up. Uh, hang up. We haven't had a hang up in a long time. I'm not surprised. It's a uh, irresponsible column, and he doesn't know anything about the, nine, about the January 6th committee. That's it for the interview with Hugh Hewitt today. Dwayne gets to type that, though. Thank you, Dwayne. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. Andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.